Hello, Mr. Sixta. I'm here with my mom, Janine, today, and this is my final Judaism reflection and my last assignment to turn in in comparative religion, which is kind of sad. But anyway, mom, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Mr. Sixta. I'm Janine Sweeney, Lauren's <laughs> mom, and I hear that you're a legend, and she has definitely enjoyed your class, so thank you. Yeah. And today, she is going to teach me about Judaism, Judaism. Yeah. which I feel kind of weird because normally my mom's the one teaching me about stuff, but today, hopefully, I can teach her something new, even though she probably knows more than I do. But anyway, so um, before we begin, a disclaimer. This podcast has been created as part of a semester final project and is meant to teach the basics of Judaism to those curious about the religion. This podcast is purely for educational purposes, meant to inform and enlighten those with no previous knowledge about Judaism, the key information so as to spread cultural awareness and promote respect. So, that being said, um, let's get into Judaism. So, very broadly, Judaism around the world has about 14 million followers you could say really spread all throughout the world um and really as i was um reading our textbook and um just looking at some different resources about this religion one thing i really admired um just overall was just the discipline and the tradition of the religion i wrote about this in one of my other reflections but i feel like in a world today at least where we live western society in america there's always this like do what makes you feel good kind of culture and like you do you but I don't feel like that's always the best way to go about life and sometimes you need to put your willpower and your discipline over whims of emotion and Judaism just with such a rich history and culture of tradition and their strong family values I really admire that about this religion yes yes they are very much rooted in tradition and um, ancient history and um, they trace all their roots back to the beginning of time yeah as god's first chosen people mm-hmm. that's a pretty special thing mm-hmm. okay so that being said um, let's get into some major beliefs so two of the major beliefs of jews one um because of their very deep veneration for god they don't pronounce the word god um, and instead, they write it um, with the Hebrew equivalent of the word, the letters W-H, or no, Y-H-W-H, which is pronounced Yahweh, but um, traditional Jews do not pronounce it. I think that's, that's a very interesting aspect to this religion, and um, I think a lot of like Christians, non-Catholic Christians, if you walk into a Catholic church, um, there's a lot of that, just like deep respect and um, like the moments of silence and um, all of that in the Catholic Church, but I guess that's that's just really taken to a new level with Judaism, which I think is pretty cool. They have such a fear and reverence for God. Yeah. That other religion you don't see in a lot of other religions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also the religion is strongly based off of the covenant with Abraham, which. Jews believe um, God's first covenant with his chosen people is with Abraham, and the sign of this covenant is the circumcision. So, as we'll talk about later, one of the signs, stages of life for 
a Jewish person is for boys is to be circum- circumcised on the eighth day after they're born. So that's pretty cool that like 14 million Jews and probably 7 million are boys and like to have that such a deep tradition tied all the way back to covenant with Abraham so so long ago that's really cool um a little history so Judaism has patriarchs a lot like the Catholic Church and the three main patriarchs we learned about um in the period 2000 to 1500 BC are Abraham Isaac and Jacob Abraham we're pretty familiar with this being Catholic, I guess, but um, Abraham is the father of the great nation, and um, he was called to go to the land that God showed him, which was the promised land. And then Isaac, his son, and then Jacob, Isaac's son, who's also known as Israel. I didn't know that Jacob was known as Israel. Don't and know. why is that? You know, I'm not sure. We'll look it up. <laughs> yeah, it's something to expand on later. Um, so you had the era of the patriarchs, and then in 1280 BC, um, that's Exodus and Revelation, which is obviously very familiar, um, to Catholicism as well. The Israelites in Egypt and famine, um, and they end up enslaved, and then God called Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery, and, um, Moses did that successfully and then received covenant on mount sinai which is the ten commandments right right mm-hmm. yeah so knowing <laughs> just in case you didn't know being a catholic for your whole life um and then following that the period of 1000 to 922 bc um the monarchy of david and solomon and my mom has actually taken many bible study classes that go over the whole old testament so (laughs) she definitely knows a lot more about this than i do but um david and solomon they were good kings of the chosen people it was really the height of the monarchy and um centered really jewish life in jerusalem correct Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. great kings Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and solomon was the last king um of the unified kingdom of israel And before, I mean, Assyria conquered the northern kingdom and those people were not heard of again. So, really, going through all this, it just makes you really think, like, I mean, patriarchs, like, 2000 BC? That's, that's crazy. So long ago. It's a long time ago. Like, that's such a deep tradition. Just, like, almost mind-boggling to me. But anyway, so then in 587 to 538 BC... Um, was the Babylonian exile, which Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar um, conquered Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, and um, all the leading citizens were went into exile, and um, just a lot of a lot of turmoil really for the Jewish people, and um, it was also pretty much the period where a lot of the oral tradition from covenants and things began to start being written down um so they would not be lost and that today is we know is a hebrew scriptures which is very interesting um and then in 332 bc that was the greek conquest of palestine which really challenged the jewish way of life and a lot of jewish people people um kind of lost that tradition lost their religious identity and embraced the 
Greek influence. Um, and because of this, different Jewish groups formed. You have the Pharisees, which focus on the Torah. Um, and then the Essenes, Essenes? Essenes um, which rejected the Greek ways and retreated into the desert to live on their own. <laughs> they were just so done with it. They just they couldn't handle it, so they went away. I guess avoiding the near occasions of sin. And then finally the Sadducees, which are the priestly class, and they were very active in the temple and highly conservative. And the Pharisees were really put off by the Sadducees because all the Pharisees wanted to do was focus on the Torah. But um, the control of the temple the Sadducees, Sadducees showed was just... Sadducees. Sadducees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was just not it for them. Then in 70 AD, um, this destruction of the second temple, which um, definitely is a big event in Judaism... As far as I understand, um, it also ties into the symbol of the Western Mall, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But um, basically, the Jews revolted against the Romans. Um, the Romans won, and the temple was destroyed. And, I mean, it's crazy to think that, um, like, as far as we know about Jewish persecution is um, more recent. But just how much in history those people have been discriminated against and have lost a lot but they still stay true to their faith but did you know that when the temple fell in was it 70 72 AD or 82 AD um 70 70 AD AD, they have never rebuilt a temple so so um today so that was the last time sacrifices like the, the old testament and many books in the Old Testament talk about how to do sacrifices and um, you know what the correct rituals are. But since then, they have never rebuilt the temple. Wow. And that's a big deal in their religion. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the sacrifices are more about prayers and fasting and, mm-hmm. and, um, and everything. But there's no more... Um, I mean, the temple in Jerusalem was the center of their religion for centuries. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So did they not rebuild it for religious purposes or just... I think there was so much turmoil going on during that time, as there is in every era, mm-hmm. um, that it was just... I'm not... I mean, it was just... They've been fighting for that land ever since, really. Yeah. Until they got it yeah. back in the four, uh, nineteen after World War Two, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> so that was kind of some history of the Judaism religion or Jewish religion and I feel like that's um I mean that's as far as this project will go but just the Jewish history again so rich like there's there's just so much there and I get a lot of it's also the Catholic tradition which is um I think it's really cool how a lot of those are intertwined um in a lot of ways so Moving on to our section about holidays. Um, I did not know very much about Jewish holidays, which I think is so weird because, um, I mean, it's not like Judaism is too small. I mean, I guess a lot, in a lot of ways I just haven't been exposed to Judaism going to Catholic school for 13 years, as I was thinking about today. But um, four of their main holidays, one, the Sabbath, which... 
um, on in the Jewish religion is on Saturdays, not on Sundays. And it begins really on sunset on Friday until sunset on Saturday. And it's a day of worship, celebration, study of the Torah. Um, the families eat special meals. And it's, again, a lot like the Catholic religion. It's based on the day in which God, according to Genesis chapter 2, rested from labor and um, just beheld the glory of the world. And I was thinking a lot about the Sabbath. The Sabbath um, in our own culture today and really the way it gets lost in lost in translation as you will um just with western society or really i mean i don't know any society but um at least where we're at today is that there's always something like there's always i have assignments to do or there's we have work to do or something to get done around the house or volleyball tournament or there's always something which i feel is very unfortunate um and something i admire about judaism is um i mean sabbath is considered a holiday like i wouldn't really think in catholicism even though it's literally a commandment <laughs> keep holy the sabbath um and just that view of the sabbath as a holiday i think is really interesting and something that i'll definitely take away from our study of this unit it's what we should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, something we should incorporate, and we should do better as a family for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on, um, another holiday is Rosh Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Yes, I've been struggling to pronounce that all day, but Rosh Hashanah. It is the festival of the Jewish New Year, which is um in early fall and is observed for about two days and it's really the celebration of god's um, work of creating the world um, which is accompanied by just reflection of um, the jewish people on their last year and really just a day to celebrate um, god but also their need for redemption and um, really when i was reading about this the gist i got was just um, how to be the best version of yourself and how to um, just worship God and always keep that perspective. Um, and they, they also have a ram's horn that is blown on this day, which is um, a signal to remind Jews of their spiritual needs. And it also begins a period called the Days of Awe, which is a 10-day period of reflection. And it's really time to reinforce social relationships and celebrate and have good food <laughs> something i can always get behind <laughs> um so yeah so that's rosh hashanah and <laughs> <laughs> so bad okay um uh, moving on at the 10 the end of the days of awe um on the 10th day is the jewish holiday of yom kippur which is i we were talking about this earlier the um really one of the most holy days in the jewish religion and very solemn day and a day for worship but more importantly just for um repentance and confession of sin which obviously there's a lot of parallels to that in the catholic religion with um um obviously reconciliation which i'm going to tomorrow by the way at school oh good and it's a very it's a very solemn um high holy day it's a very serious Mm -hmm. day a day of atonement and a day where they really reflect on forgiveness of sins yeah and i think that's obviously really important and it 
it's kind of similar to our um, days leading up before Easter, Holy Week. Um, and I was reading about this. The general sense I got from it was just that very solemn and, um, you know, just reflecting on there's a lot of brokenness in the world and humans are prone to sin and um, just repenting emphasizes even more our need for God and our need for mercy, which mm-hmm. is a very beautiful thing. Um, and then the last holiday we will talk about is the Passover, which I feel like um, we're very familiar with this as well. And I remember making the unleavened bread in second grade and all of that. But um, in the Jewish religion, this occurs in the early spring and it lasts eight days. And it commemorates the freedom of Jews from the bondage or slavery in Egypt. Um, it's really a time for a joyful celebration there's more food. <laughs> the uh, festival, the highlight of the festival is a cedar, um, which is a resuscitation of the exodus and also a meal, which again, more and, food, the better. And that's their way of passing down the tradition of the Passover, too, and how mm. the Jews are saved. Oh. And the Seder meal is, is uh, very important. It's um, even what they put in the meal and not what they put on the table is Oh yeah! Oh, I remember. Big piece of the tradition. Mm-hmm. We had um, one of these meals at uh, my old school, Saint Irenaeus. We were probably in sixth grade, and uh, we were eating like horseradish or a lot of different things. And right. kids didn't think it was too good, but mm-hmm. really didn't understand at the time. But even just like the unleavened bread, um, everything has a meaning. Yeah, like the the bread can only be unleavened because it reminds. Um, today's Jewish people of how it was such a haste to get out of Mm -hmm. um Egypt so just like the Israelites fleeing I think that I think that's so special and again just the fact that that's passed on for for thousands and thousands of years that just that's that's amazing and that's the work of God right there (laughs) okay so that is the section on holidays and moving on to sacred writings so the Jewish people have three main sacred writings, and in the textbook it kind of describes it as um, like concentric circles, the center being the Hebrew Bible, and then moving outwards on kind of commentary and different interpretations of um, rabbis throughout the centuries. So the, con- the center of that circle is the Hebrew Bible, which is also known as the Tang- Tanaka, Tang- Tanka? <laughs> I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, but... T-A-N-A-K-H, and it comes from the um, parts of the Hebrew Bible, which are the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, and in Hebrew, um, these words are Torah, Torah is just Torah, and then prophets is Nevi'im, and the writings are the Ketuvim, um, which begins with the letters T, N, and K, hence the name for the Hebrew Bible, and um, these are the Hebrew Bible is also in the Old Testament, but for Judaism, it's not the Old Testament. It's um, nothing has ever superseded it because they do not believe that Christ was the Son of God. They're so still they're waiting still, for the Messiah. Yeah, they're right? still waiting for mm-hmm. the fulfillment of that covenant. Um, so the Hebrew Bible, and then moving outwards from that, um, the Mishnah is the um, it was written down in about AD two hundred. And it's teachings that were um, really normally transmitted orally, but were written down um, by rabbis. And it 
became regarded as sacred texts, maybe not to the level of the Bible, but very similar to the Bible, and it's really um, a starting point for um, very deep study for rabbis of the Torah, which is very interesting, and just the oral tradition, and just speaks again to the tradition of the Jewish culture. And finally, the most outward circle, or one of the most outward circles, the Talmud, Tam, Talmud, um, and is, this is directly based on the Mishnah, and it's really just um, very intricate and very detailed um, commentaries on the work of rabbis from previous um, centuries. It's really a grand scheme of interpretation of the will of God, and it's thousands of pages, um, and it's thought that rabbis throughout the centuries have committed the entire thing to memory, which... That's mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I can't even remember the things that were on my AP Gov test the other day. <laughs> I mean, that's insane in the best way. <laughs> and I think that really shows that um, the Jewish people are really like committed to understanding God's will. And that's just a theme throughout history, really. But, I mean, that dedication is just next level. <laughs> They're inspired by God because you can't do that on your own. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so moving on to some terms, some key terms in this religion. Um, we have a few. So there's the Shema, which is the um, most basic theological statement of Judaism. And it is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And it is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Which is very similar to Catholicism as well. And um, just the, the belief in God is the one God. And um, I did my other podcasts with Aaron <laughs> talking about Buddhism and Hinduism. But um, just the idea of God or a supreme deity is so different in those eastern religions but judaism is um very it's easy for me to understand just because it's so similar to catholicism in a lot of ways one god mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one god so that is the definition of shema and then the word um hebrew word show showa and means mass destruction which this is what we call the holocaust today which obviously very sadly, we know about the Holocaust, the persecution of Jews by the Nazis from during World War One, no, World War Two, excuse me, nineteen thirty-three to nineteen forty-five. Um, about six million Jews were killed, or six million people were killed, and to think that there's only fourteen million Jewish people today, mm-hmm. uh, six million were killed in the and dispersed all over yeah, the world in after a period that. of. Less than 15 years, that's that's such a great evil, but we talked about this a little bit in class, but just to experience that persecution, but still for the religion to have grown and um, continue to grow today, despite that terrible and eventful history, more than any group of people should ever have to go through, Um, but again, that just speaks to the nature of the Jewish people and sticking to that tradition and staying true to their faith and um, having that faith in God and that God will provide. It's really special. But what the Holocaust also dispersed Jews all over the world 
and therefore that was a threat to their religion because it's very important not just in their religion but in every world religion that they keep their traditions and pass those traditions on to their children so that their children will pass those traditions on and Mm -hmm. um, and keep the faith and uh, my bible study teacher when he teaches the old testament always says the biggest threat especially in america today to the religion of of uh, judaism is um, that they love too much and what he means by that is that they're marrying people outside their religion which in and of itself is is beautiful but they're not always then keeping and passing on the strict traditions in which their faith is based on mm-hmm. and teaching them um, what God had originally intended for them to learn and then they're blending their religions and that's a threat to every religion not just their religion but mm-hmm. um, the number of people following the Jewish religion especially in America is is shrinking every year um, so it's uh, I think it's really important that we study other religions to um, pass those traditions traditions on and keep those traditions yeah and it's crazy how something like the Holocaust for how much we learn about it in school Obviously, just being so terrible um, in the events we learn in history class, but those effects today still. I mean, right. obviously, it has, uh, has had such an impact, and right. in a lot of ways, it's it's just so sad. But then you also see a lot of hope come out of it, things like the Museum of Tolerance and how every high school student in America probably knows what the Holocaust is, just because it's just really reinforced in all of our history classes growing up. Um which is a good thing because you don't want history you to repeat want itself. It to, 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 especially you don't want it to happen again, and so they need yeah. to bring awareness. Um, and the children of the Holocaust are now in their 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. and many of them are, are, if they haven't already, are writing down their experiences um, because soon they'll be gone. Yeah. And um, it's important that they pass those experiences on so that they're not forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely super important. Um, even when I was growing up, like, 6th, 7th grade, I would read all my AR books as, um, like, Holocaust books. I mean, you read Anne Frank, but I would read, I read this book called Night, and it was, I remember, like, tearing up, reading this man's testimony of being a Holocaust survivor, and um, just a bunch of different books that really open your perspective, and just to hear words of, Someone who had to live through something so terrible is, um, I mean, it's a beautiful thing, but to think that people actually had to go through that, obviously, that's not a beautiful thing. No, and also, that kind of puts in perspective what we're going through today with COVID. That's true. I mean, even though we think that we are, that, you know, COVID is something you'll remember your whole life through living through the pandemic, but it pales in comparison to what... The Jews went through mm-hmm. in Europe in um, during the Holocaust. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing compared to what they went through. Mm-hmm. We have hope, and we know we'll get through this. And it's just a temporary period of time in our in our lives. And yeah, we might have to put things on pause, but by no means. Mm-mm. And um, it's something that, I mean, a virus doesn't hate. 
It's not right. a right. mechanism of hate. It right. doesn't it discriminate. Doesn't discriminate. <laughs> right. But something so targeted against not only like an ethnic group, but a religion. That's just right. so evil. But okay, anyway, moving on. More key terms. Um, rabbi, teacher of Torah, leader of a Jewish worship center. Um, synagogue is a common forum for Jewish worship. And um, various various designs are um, kind of spread throughout all synagogues, but they all contain a scroll of five books of the Torah, which is encased in a box called an ark. And just to have that, um, that all of the synagogues have that one thing. I think that's super cool just for, again, tying back to the traditions, like we all Catholic churches have tabernacle or anything like that. I think that's very cool. And also the temple, it's another name for the synagogue. Um, it's used by the Reform Judaism, which is something, a uh, branch of modern Judaism that we'll talk about later. Um, and then also the Kabbalah. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Um, but it means Jewish mysticism, which um, is really the focus that um, God can be known through the heart. And it was developed mainly in a medieval period with Texts such as the Zohar. Um, and then Hazardism. Hazardism? I'm pronouncing that right either. But it is um, a form of Judaism that arose in Eastern Europe and it emphasizes um, mysticism and a personal relationship with God and um, communities and has the leaders, um, which are the Zadik. Um, which are characteristic, characteristic, not characteristic, charismatic um, men um, that are holy, um, which I did not know that before. Um, that like in Eastern, it's a form of Eastern Judaism, um, focusing on again that mysticism, which is something. It's very cool. Something we definitely don't learn about a lot. I didn't even um, know that. Here. Yeah. yeah, and then finally, Zionism. And this term today really means, like, the general support of the state of Israel. But it used to mean um, a movement that wanted to reestablish a Jewish homeland. And to think that, um, I mean, Judaism is so unique because it's, like, Catholic, Catholics are universal. Like, they're, and not that Ju- Judaism isn't, but um, such a, like, cultural heritage as well. Like, it's an uh, ethnicity. Right, and a religion. And a religion. Mm-hmm. There's a little discussion about this in class. Um, one of my classmates was asking about it. And it's kind of a complicated question because um, obviously today Jewish religion is um, 14 million people. But um, to think that all of them share the same heritage, I think that's very special too. Right. And they can all trace their heritage back to one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah, that is so cool i think i mean just to have that like that connection to your religion and your dna Mm -hmm. like that that's so cool um okay so as far as symbols go um there's the kippah (laughs) which is the head covering for men um sure you've seen it before um it's really a statement of like wearing your jewish identity we talked about in class, like, a lot of these, like, Judaism and Islam, they wear their faith. Like, I might, I wear my little necklace every day, or I might wear earrings or different things, but, um, wearing the kippah or, um, 
the head coverings in the Muslim religion, that's just such a public statement of your faith, which I feel like in a world that's increasingly becoming more secular and more anti-religion in a lot of ways, that's just to wear that every day as a, like, saying I'm giving my life to God and I give my life to my religion. I think that's really cool. Um, The mezuzah, mezuzah? is a doorpost which is placed on Jewish homes and it has some um, inscribed words from the Torah and it's really a reminder for the Jewish people that put it on their homes that every time they enter um, they are reminded to love God which I think that's that's beautiful and that you know you're entering a Jewish home exactly yeah and then the menorah um, the today I think today is the first day of Hanukkah actually um but when I think of Hanukkah, I think of this, the nine branch, um, or the eight branches, actually, one for the each night of Hanukkah, um, and it commemorates, which I did not know this, commemorates the Maccabean victory and the rededication of the Holy Temple. Oh, that's right, and the Festival yeah. of Lights, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the menorah and then the next symbol, the Star of David, are kind of the two, like, big symbols I think about, um, but even that those symbols have such a like deep meaning and rich history is very cool um star of david was something that, like in the holocaust and all the jews had to wear the star like a patch of the star of david right um a six-pointed star and um in the textbook it talked about having um because of the six sides thought to have like magical powers of protection um because like the shape encompasses the whole universe hmm. it's like yeah that's so cool <laughs> And then finally, the Western Wall, as I mentioned earlier. Um, it is the holiest shrine in all of the Jewish world. And it is uh, the remaining wall of the supporting Temple Mount built by Herod in 20 BC. Right. Um, so after, obviously after the destruction of the Second Temple, as we talked about, the, um, the Jews were not allowed to come back to Jerusalem. And um, when they were finally... Um, able to come once a year they would reap weep over the destruction of the temple and um, because of this and because it's the only remaining wall it's also called the wailing wall so that is all of our terms and symbols and we're on our final two sections the um, rites of passage which um, for jewish people um, the rites of passage and kind of every religion um, it's really a set of like permanence through unchanging rituals and deeply rooted values, which again, in today's society that's just like all about change and innovation, um, really like loses connection to roots in a lot of ways. And the fact that like these rites of passage just tie back again and again, I think is really special. Um, and there's four main rites of passage we talked about. One is um, birth and naming, um, again, boys are circumcised on the eighth day, and naming for boys and girls, and then the coming of age, the bar mitzvah, or bar mitzvah, um, for girls and boys at the age of 13, and it's really the age in which, um, these kids are, um, held responsible for observing all the rules in, um, the Torah, and observing, um, the practices of the religion. The next rite of passage, um, is marriage, and um they the bride and groom stand beneath something called the hoopa <laughs> mm-hmm. 
which means sacred space, um, and where seven blessings are read upon the couple. And the ceremony ends with a groom breaking a wine glass beneath his foot, mm-hmm. um, which signifies um, that, like, in marriage, obviously there's a lot of difficulties and things are broken, but it's also joyful. Mm-hmm. Which I think, again, I think both, I think tradition is just such a cool thing. If, <laughs> if I haven't said that enough. Um, and finally, um, the Jewish rite of passage when it comes to death, there's four stages. The first being death to burial. Um, second stage, burial after seven days. Third stage, um, lasts until 30 days after the burial, and it's when normal activities are resumed, um, but social gatherings and celebrations are avoided, again, that 30 days, um, after the burial. And then the fourth stage is... Um, only for a parent's deaths, it lasts until the first anniversary of the death. So, um, the family avoids those people's usual seats at synagogues and, um, recites, reciting the Kaddish during services. And I, even, like, when we lost a loved one, the way we didn't really maybe mourn her properly. Pause. Yeah, pause and reflect Mm -hmm. the fact that the religion... Um, really lays that out. And thinking about death is just such a humbling thing. Because when you think... Everything in everything. perspective. It's yeah. like, what... Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, when I have a test or I'm getting stressed out about something, just viewing your life just that you're really just... We're all pilgrims passing through this earth and right. meant to serve God and to really be able to focus on what it means to lose a loved one um, or lose anyone, really. Um just really reflect on that i think that could be a really powerful thing but also maybe kind of sad i mean sometimes i mean 30 days or a year after a parent dies that's that's a long time but so those are the four main rites of passage and then finally we talked about three main branches of modern judaism being orthodox conservative and reform so Orthodox, um, obviously pretty in the name, it maintains that the Torah is the standard of truth and that um, life within society must always conform to the Torah. So really the idea that obviously our society is very changing, but the Jewish religion should not change, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Obviously Orthodox. Um, and then conservative Judaism um, is pretty much in like middle between Reform and Orthodox and they're somewhat open to change, um, but they're also very strict regarding the traditional Jewish practices. And the worship liturgy is still in Hebrew, um, and they follow, obviously, the diet and behavior on the Sabbath and all of that. And then finally, Reform Judaism um, versus Orthodox, which is um, the world is changing, but Judaism isn't, um, kind of holds that being Jewish is like can be compatible with being um in and reacting and um, interacting with modern society and that Judaism must adapt to kind of conform to modern society which I can see how that's an offshoot of the Judaism religion because people were still wanting to hold on to some of that tradition and be part of the Jewish faith but also in an ever-changing world but I mean I feel like it's not really my place to say one's orthodox or conservative or reform is better over the other but it's interesting um, that the Judaism faith has split into those, and I think in a lot of ways that could be equivalent to probably every faith, right. um, every faith with such a tradition, especially, 
I mean, society is always changing, but sometimes it feels like changing like never before now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. that's a little overview of Judaism. Thank you, Mom, for helping me do this. and That was amazing. I learned a lot, too. Yeah, I like doing these. Yeah. I've enjoyed this project and this class. Um, if I don't get a chance, Mr. Sixta, thank you so much for um, being such a good teacher this semester. It's weird to think this is... Uh, my last final, my last grade for this class, but um, thank you and happy Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Sixth. Yeah, bye.